0: Hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks for joining us for another box and one podcast episode of the box and one podcast. We are live once again. Different this week. We're not going to be doing a Raptors post game. There's no Raptors game until tomorrow. It's it's a little bit too late for uh, for two out of the three of us. I think so. Um, we're just going to stick to talking about some of the big news that broke for the Jays. The Jose Barrios contract. Uh, Robbie Ray. And uh, if we have time, uh, we'll talk a little bit of uh, Canada soccer. Uh, I think we should have time for that and maybe maybe some, um, um, some Raptors. I'm, I'm not sure if we'll get time for that, but um, we'll see. But before we get started, let's play the intro. All right. So before we get to talking about the Jose Barrios contract, um, if you're joining us for the first time, make sure you subscribe, uh, like our content. You know what to do. Um, watch our previous shows. If you're listening, um, we're available on all major podcast networks. If there's one that's uh, not available, just let us know and we can always add it. Uh, but again, just make sure you uh, you share our stuff. Uh, help us help us out a little bit. But let's move on right to the Jose Barrios deal. So seven years, 131 million. Um, Thoughts? Uh, good deal. I mean, from from my perspective, and also, I mean, obviously not being a super educated blue, uh, baseball fan, looks like a good deal. But um, thoughts? Awesome. You want to start?
1: Sure. Um, I think it's a reasonable deal. Um, so, I mean, what one thing it shows is that they're trying to lock up guys beyond just next year, right? So the idea is that there is a competitive window and they feel that they want to make sure that they cover all of uh, Bo and Vlad's uh, years of control. So this takes him beyond that a little bit, but they've also given him uh, an opt-out after five years uh, if he chooses to uh, test free agency uh, a little bit sooner. So overall, I think it's a good contract. Um, if you look at it, the way it's structured, I mean, it's $131 million for seven years. That includes one year that he was already under control. Um, he was uh, projected to make about $10.9 so almost $11 million basically, which means technically they're paying 20 $20 million per year for free agent years, which I think is fairly reasonable. He's not your number one ace like a Scherzer or a Verlander, but I think he could be a good two or a three, and uh, $20 million seems a pretty reasonable number for that
2: yeah um is it was surprising although a lot of the jays media were saying that at the end of the year they were told off the record by both the front office and that by members of the front office and even burial that getting something done would be a priority so it's a little bit surprising. I was listening to some other podcasts um, about this. It's interesting that, I mean, he was really, he was here for two months and like to give him such a long-term give a picture for the long-term deal after two months. It's like, well, you must really, really be high on the individual and the character. Um, very durable. Uh, not an ace, but a two or a three and 20 mil a year, approximately Uh between a three and five win starter. It's uh good value. I still see upside in him because I have to look, I have to wonder like his, everything he has, he's durable, good body. Um, Every, everything he throws is plus. And a guy that will give you a three and a half ERA and in 200 innings a year. And he's just steady, consistent, and. It's like, I have to wonder something. I was, and I even talked about this with you guys in our group chat, like, I almost expect him to be an ace because he has everything that's the, everything to become an ace and he could still become an ace. Like he could still forget It's not uncommon for pitchers to get better as they get older, as they just refine their stuff and learn how to get guys out. Um, so I really like the deal because I think that there, there's upside. There's a lot of upside with him. Um, He's not old. Um, it's not unreasonable. And he, if he had another similar year, he probably would have gotten a bigger contract in the free agent market next
0: year. I think Asim on mute.
1: Yeah, and sorry. So, and, and that's the key, right? So even though he may not be your quote unquote, like ace, like a Garrett Cole, <clears throat> but the fact is that over his last few years, if you just remove that pandemic-shortened, um, uh, you know, twenty twenty, he, he's good for three to four wins for you on a, on an year-in-year-out basis, and, and and there's value to that, right? If someone who can give you almost two hundred innings or one hundred eighty to two hundred innings every season, and is good for three to four wins, I I think there's there's a lot of value in stabilizing your rotation that way. Okay. Um, I mean, if you look at The overall size of the contract, yeah, it looks a little large. I think it's comparable to a Zach Wheeler, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I I don't remember exactly what his contract was. Uh, I think Wheeler may have been a little bit higher.
2: Zach was about 5 and 115 or 120.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, Wheeler's making a lot more in annual average. Obviously, he's not in that category. He's not that high end. But overall, I still feel that just to provide some stability to the rotation, <clears throat> and also the fact that, I mean, I mean, his war was four, which was similar to Robbie Ray, according to Fan Graphs, which actually had a better year in terms of war than Ray. Um, baseball uh, reference, it was a little bit lower because they calculate war a little bit differently. So <clears throat> you can argue, but I think it's reasonable to expect that he's at least a three to four win player um, in any given year. And, and I think 20 million for that, from that standpoint, is a reasonable number the one thing to keep in mind is that <laughs> he was under control for this year anyways, this coming year, 2022. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't change the fact that Blue Jays still need another pitcher. Right. And, and the fact that even knowing that they decided to go ahead and sign him to a contracting extension, they really must like him. or There's really something there that, uh, you know, both parties felt that it was reasonable. Because I think, I, I think that, Barreo's probably left a little bit on the table because I think this was a good free agent class for pitchers. As, I mean, most of them are veterans, uh, but I don't know what the class looks like next year, but he probably could have tested the market again. Mm-hmm. In the worst case, he could have taken this uh, because he's just 27. So Blue Jays are getting out of the seven years, they're getting three years out of his 20s, right? He's So, yep. I mean, you don't really sign extensions or free agent contracts with 27-year-olds. Like, mostly yep. people get to 29, 30, so...
0: How so how surprising is it that, that they got it done so early and, and also was part of the thinking um some of what Primate said that you know it, it it looks like he could be an ace. Um so I mean if he does end up being an ace, you you almost get a like a, a bargain He's pitcher. Cute. And and if he doesn't, then you still get a guy who can eat up innings and, and is consistently around three and a half ERA. Uh
2: if he evolves, uh, develops into like a true ace. It's a steal. Like Wheeler wasn't yet. It's interesting you bring, we bring up Wheeler. I mean, Wheeler's contract, bigger average annual value, but he also was a free agent. So it wasn't an extension while he's still under control. So it was a, um, but it made sense that he got that extra, that additional money. But Wheeler was a very his two seasons before free agency were very barrios like if you look at the numbers um like just innings eater um mid to high 3 ERA 4 plus win starter obviously pitching for the Mets and a and in a much more hitter friendly league the ERA was a little better um and it just but there is some similarity between Wheeler and Bereals, and Barils is younger. So I don't want to say that, oh my God, like this could, he could turn into like, this could be a Wheeler type deal where uh, Wheeler at age 30 really just, just between his health and just getting healthy and putting it all together becomes an ace. I don't want to say that because even if Barils stays where he is, it's a good deal. But if he gets better and, I'm bullish that he'll get better um, than Apple steal.
1: I, I think that's a fair point. Actually, now that I look at Wheeler's uh-huh. numbers, he's he was at the time of his signing that free and contract, it was a lot closer to barriers than he was. So, so when I say it was a Wheeler, like I'm not talking about the 2021 Zach Wheeler who really had a terrific year, but uh, I actually thought his numbers would have been better than they were, but he signed... That five contract at twenty nine years age, um, and probably around 12-13 win over a six year period, um, and the two years before that he posted like four three point one and four. Well, sorry, no, about four four wins, uh, roughly uh, each year. So very similar to Barrios. So the fact that we were able to you know lock a Barrios at two years younger, uh, at twenty per. I mean. The, not a whole lot, there are not a lot of reasons to dislike this
2: deal. I'm more surprised that he signed it, to be honest. Um, because I, I guess that maybe there are CBA uncertainties. Maybe he just he valued the security more. Uh, but he's the kind of guy that getting to free agency at 28 as a very durable starter could have really cashed in uh, more so next year if he had another good or even like another similar year or slightly better, so I, I always thought that somebody like him would uh, test. But again, there's I don't know what I don't know, right? There's a lot that goes that goes into these decisions. So, um, but I think it's a good deal for the team.
0: Yeah, and and you guys mentioned it now. So you have now your 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 rotation for the long term is you have Ryu for another two years, right? Um, You have Manoa. Um, You have Barrios. I mean, Pearson, I guess, is still still a little bit of a question mark. And then I guess Hatch would slot in there or like who like you still need to probably pick up another couple of pitchers. And like it would be awesome if you can get an ace. But I, I don't know if that's if that's possible.
2: Yeah, you need another. You need more pitching. Um, obviously, the Robbie Ray situation, Cy Young Award <laughs> winner Robbie Ray, that still uh uh needs to be settled. They are in the market. I mean, they were in on Verlander. They were in on Cindergard. Um, they are. There are teams. uh like the Marlins, like the Reds, maybe Oakland, maybe Cle- I mean C- Cleveland. Like those teams are selling. Um the marlin situation um uh, i'm a little confused as to why they would sell in the manner that they're selling like like because i think that team is ready to really take a step forward uh, It's
0: because it's the marlins
2: they're ready like what well, why would they do why, why would they um trade uh like a picture like if alcantara is really on the market like you wouldn't Why would you give trade him for it? Like I really believe the Marlins could be in the mix for a playoff for the for a playoff spot in the NL East next year. I'm not kidding. They have a lot of good players.
0: Yeah, they they have a lot of good young arms, and they have good good players around the field. Yeah.
2: So like I like unless it's like a need for need type deal, but I would it would be in my opinion it would be absurd if they started trading like trading for prospects again. Like before, they even finish this rebuild, they're going to tear it down and start the next one. <laughs> like, oh, so uh, I mean, g- good for the Jays. Uh, the Reds, for some reason, their owner decided to stop spending money for some reason, <laughs> so they're just. I mean, they're they're letting good pitchers go for free <laughs> these days. So there is, I think that the trade going the trade route will be the way to do it uh they have a really really deep system um they're a lot i was listening to keith law earlier today and he's like he's like they've drafted pretty well not like really well but they're killing it in latin america but the thing that the latin american players they don't have that coverage so you will don't really start to hear about latin american prospects until they get to AAA. so now you're hearing about Mourinho or or Elvis Martinez, and he says that there's more coming. So they have a deep enough system to trade from, and I think that's the way they will ro- go. Because right now Ross Stripling is your fourth starter, and I think you don't want him in your starting in your starting five. You want him in the pen as the long reliever and uh, spot starter, if in case of an injury.
1: So. It's interesting you mentioned, uh, and I followed on Twitter, I mean, it seems that the Jays were in on both Verlander and Syndergaard, which kind of shows their preference. They're looking maybe to pay a high annual average for a short-term contract, right? So maybe they don't want to commit to another pitcher long-term, or maybe they feel that Robbie Ray contract is going to be too expensive. Because they have two big holes that they need to fill, both like Simeon and Ray, right? Ray, a little less so, so you can get by with someone who somewhere, even someone, another Berrios maybe. Because, I mean, if you look at it, if Ray gave you a four-win season, you have a full season of uh, Berrios. So obviously, yeah, you would want to replace Ray like for like, but even if it's a bit of a stick, you know. A notch below, you should be okay. But the fact is that they need they have two big needs. Um, one is uh, middle, in, well, not in- infield, I should say, either a third baseman or a second baseman, or and they need a pitcher. So one has to come by a trade. I don't think that they will spend on both. Um, so it seems that if they are, if they were, you know, some one of the teams that was uh, aggressively looking at going after Syndergaard or a Verlander shows that maybe they're more inclined to pay for uh, a position player. Um, I, I And I don't know. It's, I'm just assuming uh, at this point, right? If they're trying to bring Semyon back or if they're trying to look at some of the – because the free agent class for middle infielders is, is pretty good right now. Like, you can lose out on the top guy or maybe top two guys, and you can still get a pretty good return. Like, you can still find a pretty good uh, free agent. So maybe they feel that that's where the opportunity is, that even if they lose out, let's say, to Semyon, this Corey Seager or, you know, worse, you, you do have hobby buys uh, Like, there's a lot of options available. Um, so maybe that was the rationale for going for a Syndergaard. The other is a trade route, right? So if they go for an ace, then, you know, so it, it's one, one or the other. So one will have to come via trade and the other free agency.
0: So they they gave up Woods Richardson and um, and Martin in that in that deal last year. If if you give up another two or three prospects, are Mm -hmm. are are they so deep that you're not completely bearing the cupboards? Um.
2: Well, they're gonna if we go if we make the assumption that Robbie Ray and Simeon are gone, you're gonna get two draft picks back. Mm -hmm. Um. They'll be they may. Maybe thinner at the upper levels but they still have a pretty young team and a really good core and the window is open to win a world series so this is the time that if you are going to unload the system like this is the time to do it like if you can if unloading the system means winning a world series then you do it because you have a you still have a good core locked up you don't have like it's not like 2015 16 where you know, guys were approaching free agency. The The core was older. They're not going to be together that long. Like, this is set up to be a very... This team is set up to be really good from 2022 to 2025, 2026, as it stands now. And they're so good at developing, especially in Latin America, that even if it does become a little bare, I mean, they could restock, they could restock it uh, by the time this core's window sort of ends and guys right. start to leave, like they will have done enough to restock it. So I don't anticipate them becoming like a bottom five system.
0: Yeah. We, we've talked about this before. Like it, your, your opportunity is there. I mean, Vlad, Bo, there, there's no sense in waiting because then it becomes it a point of what, what are you waiting for? Because r- right now you clearly have that core, who can make a push.
2: Yeah. And Seager would be great. I mean, Seager's... um, I mean, the question for Seager is, uh, is he willing to make a position change? Is he willing to go to third base? That's... Because he's a shortstop, and he's a good shortstop. Um, He's a left-handed bat, which this team really, really needs. But is he... But it's pretty obvious that the team is committed to Bo. I mean, if Simeon moved off of sex the shortstop, and was a much better defensive player than Bo Bichette uh, is, then um, Seager would definitely have to. I've always I've had have had on Jose Rodriguez. Cleveland decides to move forward with their rebuild. Uh, that's the guy I think would be I deal. And not just because of the Cleveland connection, but because he's a switch hitter, elite bat, good glove, can play second as well, although his third base is his true position. And yeah, he has a good contract for two years, which gives them the flexibility to add other money. Like he's still at a, he is a 12 million this year and 12 million next year, which is a steal.
1: Uh, I agree and I I think yeah and it's really important so as much as I would love for them to bring Semyon back I I think they're already a 91 win team and Pramit and I were talking about it the other day you've got to improve and get probably another marginal win like two or three wins out of it to get into that window right and yes you can overload it by adding as many all-stars as you can but you know you have a even though they're spending, th- there's a limit to how much they'll spend, right? Like there's a resource strain. So how do you eke out those extra wins? And one of the areas is that I think it makes sense to add a lefty bat. Uh, if not a lefty bat, if someone who can hit righty pitching as well as an average lefty bat would, right? Because second, third time through the lineup, they, they pick up really well and, and they really go after pitches. But late in the games they did struggle quite significantly. And and when and when you're all righty heavy, like all the way from one to six or one to five, then it's it's a lot easier for teams to set up their bullpen, especially if you get into a playoff situation. Teams can set the bullpens up really effectively against you because they know there are not too many options, right? I mean, you'll have Kevin Biggio coming off the bench. Not many teams are gonna get scared, but so you need to add that lefty dimension to your lineup top of their lineup so that's where Jose Ramirez makes sense even someone like Corey Seager if he's willing you know the money and position change and all that can make sense a little bit so I think there's a lot of value in it and just like they probably need to shore up the bullpen a little bit I think looking at a lefty bat uh, I think should be critical
0: do you have any preference over Simeon uh, Seager or Ramirez
1: I like Seager. Uh, uh, but I'll, I'll take either Ramirez or Seager to be very honest. I'll Seager take would require a lot of money, uh, and Ramirez would require a lot of prospects.
2: I'll take Simeon. I'll take Semien back, and then maybe you could sign uh, Seager. <laughs> 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 yeah, I have to do that. That works for me. I don't want to wonder. I I think it, like semi in two out of the last the two last two full seasons he was a legit MVP candidate.
1: Oh, percent, hundred percent.
2: And I think that honestly, like the impact he had on the clubhouse, like just the habits, playing every day, the professionalism, the work ethic, like it's clear that it really rubbed off, like. And I know that it's really hard to measure "quote unquote" clubhouse fit, um, especially from afar. I mean, that's really something that the coaching staff and front office would uh, know better. But like, like, like I don't think Semin will be back because I just think there's going to be too many teams in on him. He's a Bay Area guy. Um, like, he's he, like, if the Giants want him and the there's a lot of teams with a lot of money that will love to have a guy like that. Uh, so, um, I just don't think he'll be back and it's not because of lack of money or lack of, like we sometimes forget that, Oh, should the Jays bring back Robbie Ray? Well, does Robbie, does Robbie Ray want to come back? Like what other teams are making him offer? And what, like, where does his family want to situate? Like, Personally, like there's so many factors that go into it. It's not just a matter of saying, "Well, he loved it here; that means he must want to come back." Well, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of reasons why uh, players may move on.
1: Oh, 100 percent. And then there's nothing wrong in saying, "Like, I mean, I'd love to see him come back." Um, I, I just hope somehow they find a way to better balance the line a little bit.
0: Does Ray come back? Do you guys, do you guys think he comes back? I'm, I'm thinking no. And I say this
2: because given the deals, the average annual value that some players have gotten now, uh, like Cindergaard got 20, even though it's just one year, he got $21 million and he hasn't even, he's thrown two innings in the past two years. So it's, Ray will demand that. I mean, he just won the side young in the AL East pitching in minor league ballpark. So there's going to be a demand there. I don't know what term he will get, obviously because he's such a late bloomer that I like, I don't think he would get like the true seven year ACE contract, but I do believe that there's reason to not be totally comfortable giving him a big deal. Uh, late bloomer, a little bit homer, not that he is actually quite homer prone. Uh, So I I don't think, I I think he will remain a pretty good consistent starter, but is
0: he the Cy Young guy that we saw this year? I don't know. And and he's gonna be one of he's gonna want to get paid like that, right? And I, like that's the part that would make me most nervous about him. It's giving him big money, and I'm just I don't know. I don't I don't trust it. I don't know enough about about pitching and baseball like you guys do, but I just don't trust it. It, it would make me a little bit nervous giving him big money over an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. It feels like one of those that can just it it can just go wrong. But again, what do I know? Um. Any any last thoughts on the on the Jays before we move on?
1: No, it's, uh, just pretty cool that it's been uh, what 18 years since a Blue Jay had won a Cy Young. So, congratulations, Robbie Ray. That was pretty awesome. It was a lot of fun watching him pitch this year, regardless of what happens. This uh, down the stretch, that's last month or so. That was incredible. Like it was an amazing experience, the whole team. But we based uh, a couple of gems there, here and like
0: very well deserved, Saiyan. Absolutely, and great pants as well. Yes, the best, the best pants and led to the best t shirt. That's absolutely true. Although Dwayne Casey would disagree. <laughs> 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 All right, so so we're gonna move on to our next topic. Um, this has been a, a, a big one. Lately, prime I'm going to ask for your, your opinion in a, in a second on this because I, I want to see how far this one has reached. But um, Canada defeated Mexico two to one in Edmonton in a, in a snow covered. Well, at one point it was a snow covered pitch. Um, there were the snow banks on the sidelines. Players jumping into the snow banks uh, for celebrations. It got a little bit hairy at the end. I was really nervous. Like uh, I, I got to the point where like I, I didn't want to watch, but I had to watch. Um, but Primit, is was this on your radar at all since you're not a big soccer fan like did you watch this? Is it something that you were paying attention to? I didn't. I flipped the channel a couple to the channel a couple times. It was kind of on my radar
2: um, but I didn't pay too close attention to it, although I am happy to see that they won and potentially have a shot at being in the World Cup next year.
0: Yeah, I mean they're at, they're at the top of their group. So for, for everybody watching who's not sure what's going on, they're at the top of their group. Um, they they tied Mexico in Mexico. Now they beat Mexico. They also tied the United States in the U.S. The U.S. is supposed to be coming here in January um, for a game. There's rumors that it's going to be in Hamilton. I like I don't know what that's going to be like because it's going to be freezing. Um, there's no advantage, I don't think. Maybe there is to playing the U.S. in a in a in a freezing cold environment. Apparently, Vancouver might be out of the question because travel is is difficult for um, for some of the players coming from Europe and also getting to Central America after that for some of their games. Um, awesome! Did you did you watch? What did you think?
1: Uh, I, I watched. Uh, it was amazing feeling to be very honest. Like I don't like I follow soccer a lot, but not. I don't follow Canada soccer a whole lot, um, but uh, yeah, it's just it's an absolutely incredible result, right? And you've seen growth of this team over, like you know, over the years. Uh, Hardman's a good coach at the helm, having kids who have European experience, you know, and starting to see more of it, you know, definitely helps. Alfonso Davies is an absolute superstar probably the biggest international star we have in Canada right now, right? Um, so, uh, I mean, it's incredible uh, to see him, Jonathan David, like names that are starting to become household names in Europe. Um, you, you know, uh, and, and for Davis, it was a pretty good game. I mean, he, he played at home yesterday, right? So, yeah, um, uh, I think it, it wasn't... A very, very good game, I mean, but to watch, like, technically, but, uh, I mean, who cares? The result, uh, you know, went our way. Uh, Whatever dark arts, uh, you know, they were looking to practice by scheduling the game in Edmonton worked. (laughs) So I have a a friend uh, who's actually from Mexico, and I was chatting with him, and he's like, yeah, this is too cold for us. Um, So, uh, yeah, I mean, but uh, congratulations to the team. This... Is incredible. So six games to go, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, they've played Mexico twice already. Uh, US is a big one. Next one is against Honduras, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so, that's right. I mean, nothing like knock on wood. They do look good for the World Cup right now.
0: Yeah, I, I think the biggest complaint, and and this this is what one of the things like I mean, it's it's hard to complain about anything, but the the quality of of the match wasn't great. If if anything, the one one tie at Azteca. Was probably a better, um, a better commercial for the game and for how Canada has grown. This was like the, the pitch was was awful. Like it was it was bouncy. The the ball was just all over the place. They didn't they didn't look the way I've seen Canada look in in previous matches. Which is it's a shame because you would you would hope that somebody like Pramit would get to watch the game and and see like a, a nice free flowing match where where it's back and forth. And I'm sure that's why you know Pramit maybe that's why you didn't watch because it, it's it, it was just. It was the ball going back and forth, like being knocked back and forth. And it didn't look pretty. Um, but so here, here's a big question. And this is something that I debated with some of my friends. And they think I'm crazy for saying this. But the, the question that one of my friends posed me was, what's what gets a bigger celebration? So we, we saw what what it was like when the Raptors won the NBA the NBA championship. Is it bigger if Canada... I, I think this is a stupid question because I think this is definitely bigger, but if Canada wins the world cup, not that that's going to happen. This team, I don't think this team is anywhere near that good yet. Um, if Canada wins the world cup, is there a bigger celebration than the Raptors winning the NBA championship or the Leafs winning a Stanley cup, which I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon either. What, what's the bigger celebration?
2: Uh, I think, in, I mean, in Toronto, the Raptors winning uh, across the country, the World Cup, although a lot of cities went crazy when they won. I don't know the answer to that because like there are, I guess we, the the comparison is hot like Team hockey. Canada winning the gold medal in hockey. Yeah it would be something it would be something like that maybe a little more toned down because like just it's not i don't think
1: so man Russia. i think it's going to be crazier yeah. i think half the country hates leaves so
2: or i'm not worried about i'm thinking like uh, how i'm thinking well, i'm comparing it to like when canada beat the us in vancouver in the yeah. gold medal that game. was huge that yeah. it would be something like that but probably a little bit not quite as crazy as that because hockey is like in can- hockey is number one in Canada and it's like huge and everybody knows the players and there's so much like history and it was in Canada. So it, it would be a watered down version of what we saw there.
0: Personally, I think it's, a, that's, that, that was the comp that I was looking at but I think it's that to another level because I think there are more people who, and I could be completely wrong. I might be completely too close to to Canada and, and my love for, for Canada soccer might be, might, might be tainting my, my image of this, but I see Canada winning the gold medal in Vancouver in hockey times two. Like, I just think that people would go nuts. There are a bunch of people who would jump on the wagon who normally cheer for, like you guys have seen it. You guys have seen when, when Italy wins in, in Toronto, like, it it'll be that, but spread across the country, and it'll be crazy, and people will jump on, just because they're like, oh wait, hold on, Canada is doing well now, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm 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 all for it. Like, I, I, there's no way to know this, and I don't think that Canada is gonna win, um, gonna win the World Cup anytime soon. Uh, maybe not even in our lifetime. But one thing that I think could happen, maybe not in the next World Cup, but maybe in 2026 when it's in in like in North America, is I think if Canada goes on to the group stage. I think you'll see people buy in, and there will be a huge party.
1: Oh, for sure, hundred percent. Because I mean, even if like soccer isn't as huge in US, I mean it's popular now, but it's not at the other professional sports levels, right? But when the team is playing, I mean, you can see the chance. Like those USH, like like people go all in when US US is playing in the World Cup, right? Um, so I, I think it probably could be huge if that would have happened, I don't know, 30, 40 years down the road or whenever that is, but I I think it's going to be real, real big deal.
0: Yeah. And we're going to start to see more and more Canadian, like Canadian talent come out, uh, younger kids. There's a, there's actually a 15 year old who played for the Romanian national team who is Canadian born, but ended up choosing, Uh, to play for Romania. And apparently he's like the next, like their next big thing, their next George, George Hadji. I don't know if you remember him uh, Azam, but like he's, he's supposed to be the next big thing. And the fact that you can cap a 15 year old to me is crazy because he's clearly not making his own decisions. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you're, you're going to start to see a lot of young Canadian talent, which is, it's super exciting. Um, And yeah, I I mean, I, I just, I hope this stays and holds. I, I hope we can keep First, second, or third place. Like, we have to finish top three. I hope it can happen because my heart would be broken if we don't end up making the World Cup.
1: Oh, for sure. So, I mean, as things stand, it's pretty tight. I mean, Canada leads Mexico by, I mean, the fourth, Panama's fourth place. They joined third with Mexico. So, it is a tight race. Canada has 16 points. Having said that, I mean, they're through Mexico. Uh, I think they have to play Panama and Costa Rica again and US. So,
0: yeah, it's tough. It's it's not easy, and and going to Central America is not easy. You have to put up with, you know, fireworks outside of your hotel in the middle of the night. Um, you know, bags of urine being thrown at you during games. Like, I, I I don't know if that still happens anymore, but there are stories about that happening. But it's 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 completely different They're The stuff that they do to get you off your game. So. Um, hey, I, I especially want
1: to move after the last... to schedule a game in Edmonton, you can sure as well expect something
0: to get. Yeah, definitely. I, Mexico must have been, like, just completely pissed off about that because play, I wouldn't even want to play in that. And, like, you know, I've, I've been here most of my life.
1: Yeah, no. I don't leave the house in that weather. <laughs>
2: All right. For so, somebody last who topic. doesn't know anything, I have one question: Why would yeah. anybody schedule a game at Edmonton in November?
0: Because Mexico we can't play there. That's exactly. Is it. Is that
2: why? So wait, does Canada get to choose where in the country the game was? Yep. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I thought it was like nice. some, It was pre-arranged by some organization, and
0: no, and and so the, like it. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's normal that it snows there around this time, but yeah, like that was definitely the thought process. It's like, even last week's game um, was in Edmonton as well. Uh, And same thing. Like you want the central American teams to play in as cold weather as possible. It's, it's like, it's like the green Bay Packers having that, that Lambeau field frozen tundra advantage. Same thing you you want, Mm -hmm. you want to make sure you can use that to your advantage. Like, you know, teams like Peru, they play at altitude. Um, even I mean Utah Jazz, Denver Nuggets, altitude, same thing, right? Oh well, yeah, a, like
2: I, I, I'm just amazed. At, like I, it's pretty cool actually that if the game is in a certain country, that country gets to choose the specific stadium. To that's insane. I maybe I'm just used to like sports leagues trying to keep everything as fair as possible.
0: Yeah, <laughs> like, like imagine the Jays being able to pick pick the stadium that they want to play in for each home game, depending on who's pitching and and who's hitting.
2: I think after what they've had to go through, they're not leaving the Rogers Center ever again.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're probably you're probably right about that. So, uh, last topic. I don't want to spend too much time on this. Um, we we've talked about the Raptors a lot over the past couple of episodes, but I, I I didn't want to do the team any disservice by not covering them a little bit. Um, so, I, I think our predictions were one and two. Uh, we, we have one game left tomorrow, so hopefully they beat Utah. Um, but I, it's, it's, come on, it's, it's, it hasn't looked good though. Like I don't, awesome. You, you mentioned the one game that you got to watch lately because like you, you were, you had time to yourself and it, it was that, uh, it was the Portland game. Was it?
1: It was the Portland game.
0: Yeah. Did you end up turning it off before the end of the game? Yes, I did.
1: I'm so you didn't see
0: the third man, comeback? come No, I didn't. Primate, you turned it off, too.
2: Yeah, but I, I know I knew that they were starting to come. It was a late game, and I was getting tired anyway. So then I saw the comeback, but because I stopped watching and they are making the comeback, I decided not to turn it back on because I I thought I didn't want to jinx the comeback. Um, well, I think it's number one. It just goes to show how dependent this team is on Fred. They should have been Detroit, and I think if they had Fred, they would have yeah. they would have. I mean, for I, I think it just goes to show the value of like a point guard as your not necessarily your best player, but your floor general. I mean, making sure everybody's in position, make uh, setting the offense, setting the defense, Although the Raptors don't really run set plays because they're parable terrible half court team, they need to be fast to read and react and go but just having him out there like kind of like what Kyle did for this team, like the team never like while having these, like I we've said in the past, I don't think a, it's rare that having a point guard as your best player can win you a title. Especially if you look at the finals MVPs over the last ten years, but having a really good point guard as your leader on the floor creates a floor level floor performance level. Like the Raptors were never bad once Kyle took that game, that team over and became the guy on that team. Um from 2013 all until last year obviously. Uh but yeah. like they were always as long as he was around, they were going to you, you could bank 50 wins. Yeah. Um I think Fred is ha, I think Fred is becoming that but they just don't have that much I mean, it's, they're so young and I, I was listening to some other podcasts and again, talking about, like, they're just like a lot of the code. This is like the first year since that first doing Casey year in twenty 2011, 2012 team where there, it's just a lot of player development teaching like the nuances of the league. Whereas when you had more of a veteran team, it's more about just game planning and higher level X's and O's. Uh, so there's a lot of it's a work in progress um i think getting into their play in tournament is something they could still do i have always said that january onwards they'll be better but um there's going to be a lot of ups and downs raptor fans so buckle up this isn't uh they're not what they were but they can get back to that
0: yeah, and I, you saw a lot of that youth at the end of the Portland game. Scotty made a couple of mistakes um, that I think any any young player would make. He had to travel, and I think th- there was another one. But Nick Nurse referenced it in his in his post game. You know, it's just he, he's young and he's got to learn. Um, and I think you can see that. Well, I'm I'm looking at the numbers right now. Um, they're twentieth in defensive efficiency. Um, surprisingly, oh, he's still thirteenth in offense, but. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's surprising, right? Um, and, they were and, top and that's five about a week and a half ago. Yeah, and I think the last three games probably really, like, really change that. And and I mean, that's that's the the variability of the first you know month month and a half of the season. Things things can change quickly, but I think that's that's where the the youth is is showing itself. And Ozm, you asked in the last episode, in I think it was the last episode what's what's the most surprising thing about this team and we mentioned like the fact that the young guys have been able to work themselves in so quickly and now we're seeing the opposite that you know there is some struggles with some of the young guys but also pascal trying to work his way back in and i'm not blaming pascal there's been a lot of talk on twitter about trade pascal or how this team's better without pascal that's not the case at all you need you need pascal defensively offensively he just he just needs to, to work himself back in. It's it's gonna take some time. Um rotations like you, you don't just walk back into an NBA game and you know remember or you know it, it it's it's repetition. Um it's it's gonna take it's gonna take time, but like the being 20th in efficiency is, is probably the most disappointing thing, but I think that you can chalk that up to, to youth.
1: But being early this early in the season, the rating could move fluctuate wildly right so while we were yeah. happy about being top 5 i mean one two games it could fluctuate pretty wildly i mean it's 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 not like an average like accounting stat it's more of a rate stat right so rate stats can yeah. go crazy
0: yeah and and it'll it'll normalize like last year they were 19th in defense but i think at one point um probably around the middle of the season I think they were they were in the mid teens to like, you know, maybe around twelfth. I think they had worked themselves down um and, and until the injuries hit. So I, I'm I'm expecting the same thing. Like look, the defense when you're a young guy coming into the league is probably the hardest thing. And defense the way Nick Nurse wants to play it is probably even harder. And I just I feel that even offensively, when you look at some of their sets, they're very basic. They don't they don't do a whole lot. They still set a screen at the top. Precious will set a, a terrible screen. Or Kem Birch will set a screen, um, but but there isn't like if you look off the ball, it's it's really five men out. Like there's there isn't a whole lot of movement. There's no there's no picks being set off the ball. Not that I like I don't I don't know that Nick Nurse really does a lot of that anyways. But it's it's well, it is very wanna... yeah. So
2: that's a delivery. They don't want to yeah. They don't want to set. They're not the kind of team where you can set an offensive call. But they gotta go read, react, and shoot fast. Yeah. Like they gotta give that's their offense. They that's how they have to score. And they gotta win with their uh with their with their defense, the deflections and the steals and what they were doing during the winning streak. Um
0: yeah. that's they have to play. And and that is one of the numbers that does stand out. They're still second in turnover percentage, but what's really killing them is they're 22nd in offensive rebound percentage and twenty-sixth in free throw rate.
2: Oh yeah, they don't have any real yeah, they don't have a lot, I and mean, I think that Detroit game really <laughs> hurt them as well, because it's really, and the numbers are very, the deltas between the teams are very close. They don't, they're finishing at the rim, I believe, that they were in the bottom five as well. Uh, so it's now, again, it's a, because they don't have any elite three-point shooting, then teams can cheat when guarding at the rim and make it harder for you to finish at the rim, and they don't have a seven-footer. So, I mean what they don't have is very obvious and can be exploited so like what they do have those again length youth upside energy tenaciousness um and coachability so we you got to work with that uh and just like the youth i mean there's a play i saw where scott delivered has the ball Scotty's sort of guarding. he's not guarding liver but he's guarding the lane and Barnes turns his head just slightly to check on McCollum, who is in the corner. That is all it took for Dame to we'll get right by him and get to the rim. And, like, that's, it's so subtle. Like, you think just turning your – all it takes is just a defender turning his head to check on another player. And then that's the difference between winning and losing. And when you're young, that's going to happen. And he's probably thinking, well, oh crap, McCollum is wide open. We've got to make sure he doesn't get the ball or um, forgetting game. And they were in a zone as well at the time. So you weren't really on. There wasn't anybody really guarding him. So Uh, just those those subtle nuanced nuances that uh, make it that that young teams that beat young teams.
0: Yeah. And and just to to bring back that. Finishing at the rim number. It's they're they're shooting fifty-nine percent at the rim. Sounds good, but it's actually 29th in the league. Yeah, um,
2: <laughs> there's a the reason why teams wanna score at the rim because the ball goes in when you're closer to the it's likely to go in more when you're closer to the basket. And then not having a seven footer who could get easy putbacks or dunks um when other seven footers are surrounding them, um results in like that results in that. Now, I think they will just get better as the shooting gets a little better and teams respect that more. And I just guys get just more comfortable and rhythm as the lineup changes continue to be made. But um, there's nothing that we're seeing that shouldn't surprise anybody.
0: Yeah, we've been saying like all, since probably I think even before the season that it's it's going to be it's going to be up and down. But I think by the end of it, we'll probably see them in the playoffs in one way or one way or another.
2: Maybe, yeah. Hard to say. I,
0: I I still think so. I still think so.
2: Yeah, I'm still bullish on them. I I wouldn't say bullish. I still think they can. Um, the East is just crazy. Like it's so much deeper than in the past, but. Uh, yeah I think they should I still believe that playing to get better is always a better approach than just tanking I mean I think you should only tank once you know that at the deadline like you got no hope and then you sell off whatever you can sell off and then um you decide like kind of like what they did last year so yeah. play hard and play to win until obviously um that's just no longer an option.
0: Yeah. And I mean at, at the very least they're still entertaining in spurts. Sometimes it's it's frustrating to watch them, but you know, they got entertaining players, so it's it's still there's still some fun there. So I I'll always like I mean I'm going to watch regardless. You can have the worst team out there and and I'm still going to watch, but you know, at least I'm I'm getting some entertainment value out of it. Um but I think I think that's a good place to to call it an episode. Um we we've, we've gone probably a little bit longer than we thought. But uh any any last thoughts guys?
1: No, I think the only thing I just want to add is back to that Canada Mexico. I think it's probably also the first game in soccer history which ended up with a snowball fight. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that I, I don't I don't even know what to say, man. Like I, I don't know if it's if that was if that was more Canada like kind of trying to rub it in the Mexican's faces or if it's Mexico kind of pouting, but um any any game that ends in a snowball fight is okay with me. Yep. All right. So if if you made it to the end of this episode, thank you very much for watching. We appreciate the support. Make sure you like, like, subscribe. You know what to do. And uh, until next time, have a good one. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.